Thanks for listening to audio from North Monroe. To learn more about who we are, visit northmonroe.com or download the North Monroe app in the App Store or on Google Play. Now, here's this week's message. Man, I'm so glad to be back. Uh, Happy Father's Day to all the dads in the room. For those of you who don't know me, I'm not Pastor Bill. I'm Jordy McCaskill. I used to I used to be on staff here a long time ago, and uh, I think I started over ten years ago. And man, I just I'm so thankful to be back. It does kind of feel like a homecoming. It does kind of feel like I came home. And so, man, I, I look back. My wife Jessica and I look back on our time here at North Monroe, and and we look at it with so much joy and happiness. And we have so many memories. It's been so fun to catch up with some of you guys from Dominican Republic trips to big stuff trips to just Wednesday night Bible study, man. It was just, we had an awesome, awesome experience here. And man, we, we look back at our North Monroe family with great joy. We miss you guys so much. Unfortunately, Jessica is not here with me. That's the only person y'all really care about coming back. Um, that, man, Jordy, so good to see you. Where's Jessica? Yeah, I, I, I get it. I get it. That's what happens all the time whenever we go places. The church that I'm at now said, hey, man, Jordy, you can leave. Just leave Jessica. And uh, man, we, we, uh, they're not here with me this week, but man, I'm, I'm so glad, glad to be, be here. If you have your Bibles, let's get them out. Let's get them open. We're going to be in 1 John this morning. 1 John chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 5. Where am I at now? I've had a lot of people ask that. I am the lead pastor of Marlowe First Baptist Church in uh, Marlowe, Oklahoma. And uh, yeah, there's some of my former church members. All right, there we go. And uh, that's not a joke. That's a real thing. That's a real true story. So, uh, man, we're, uh, we love it in Oklahoma. Uh, the wind, I, I have to fix my hair like this because the wind's always blowing in Oklahoma, unlike Louisiana. But, uh, man, we love it up there. Our church is being so good to us, and they love us, and we love them really well. I want to share a story with you, kind of let you know where I'm headed today, because I don't want to talk about me. I don't want to talk about Jordy. I want to talk about Jesus. But um, I want to show you a picture of my family. Uh, this is uh, Jessica, my wife, and then uh, our daughter, Piper, turned seven on Tuesday. And then uh, Haddon, our son, is four. And uh, as you can tell, for those of y'all who remember Jessica, she is aging just fine. She is doing really well. And uh, the four of us uh, went about four or five years ago. I preached for Fuse Camps with Lifeway, and I had two camps back to back. I was preaching in Kentucky, and then following Kentucky, I was going to Nashville, Tennessee. Remember, the four of us, back to back weeks, and somewhere between Louisville, Kentucky, and Nashville, Tennessee, y'all help me out, I lost my wedding ring. Bad idea, dads. Bad idea, husbands. I lost my wedding ring. And I don't know about you, man. We tried to tear the hotel apart. We were turning the car upside down. Uh, We had the minivan. I drive a minivan now. Y'all remember me when I was 10 years ago? I did not drive a minivan. Drive minivans now. Hashtag dad life, right? They're practical. Don't make fun of me. And so we were tearing the minivan apart. We were dumping suitcases. We were looking under the beds. We were looking at the toilets. I mean, I'm I'm not ashamed to say it. Like two or three days later, I was looking in Haddon's diaper. I mean, I was, you got to look everywhere, right? Well, we never found it. And, and Jessica, man, she was super great. She was super awesome. And she was super gracious. And she bought me some rings, like some of the silicone rings. And, and I started wearing those and, and I wore them forever. And, and I started wearing those silicone rings. But man, I want to tell you guys, like the silicone ring that Jessica bought to replace the actual ring she gave me on our wedding day, it just never felt the same. Husbands, I just gave you an opportunity to amen and you blew it, okay? That was a great opportunity for you to amen, so I'm gonna give you another chance. The ring my wife gave me on my wedding day, 
It was unrivaled compared to the ring, the silicone plastic rubber one that she gave me later. There, there you go, guys. Y'all gonna catch on. There you go. And, and I don't know about you, but man, when I lost that ring, I, I lost something and nothing could match it. That wedding ring that she gave me on our wedding day, it was unrivaled. Nothing ever truly replaced it. And I'm here to tell you today that we're going to read the words of a guy by the name of John. And, and John arguably knew Jesus better than anyone on planet earth. He was Jesus's best friend. John was the only disciple of Jesus who died of natural causes. And G, uh, John died an old gray-haired man in the city of Ephesus writing letters to encourage the church. And specifically, he is writing to a group of churches who are going through a Jesus crisis. There are false teachers who are going through the church of the first century and they are teaching false doctrines about Jesus. And, and, and don't miss this, North Monroe. When a church gets confused about Jesus, a church is confused. And, and John writes to them to let them know who Jesus is, and here's where it is, that Jesus is the unrivaled one, that there's no one that can match Jesus. Jesus is unrivaled to all of the false teachers. There's nobody that can compete with Jesus. And I believe, no, my church, they like short sermons, and I'm guessing North Monroe likes short sermons too, amen? Y'all like, I'll go long. I'll go long, I ain't got no, y'all remember me when I was here, I, I ain't got no problem going long. I'll make, I'll, I'll, bellies will start grumbling before we get out of here. I'm not gonna do that to you because I like Pastor Bill to ask me to come back, okay? So I'm gonna be nice. But I believe that in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, we see six, I said it was going to be short, I promise you it's going to be short, six things that John says that makes Jesus unrivaled. So I want you to get your Bibles out. Let's read these five verses. Here's what John says to the church. Here's what he says to Northland Rose. says, that which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the, the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we heard from him and proclaim to you. Come on, help me out, Northland Road. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Amen? Jesus is the unrivaled one and he is worthy of our life. That's what John's trying to teach us. And he says there's six things about Jesus that make him so unmatched, so unrivaled. And the first thing is this, if you're taking notes, Jesus' beginning was unrivaled. He says that in verse one, which that which was from the beginning. What was so unrivaled? What, what made Jesus's beginning so different than every other human being's beginning? Well, it's kind of interesting. He didn't have a beginning. <laughs> he was the uncreated one. His existence did not begin with his birth. He was not 
created. Jesus was. What was so unrivaled about this Jesus? What is John trying to get them to understand? Jesus is this unrivaled one. His beginning did not start with his birth. He is 100% man. He is 100% God. Jesus is not some 60% God and 40% man. There's not some 70-30 thing or 80-20 or 90-10. Jesus is, I get excited when I talk about Jesus. Can I get excited, Northern Road? Jesus is 200%, 100% man, 100 God. That is our Jesus. What makes him so unrivaled is that he has an unrivaled beginning. He had a human body. He grew. He developed. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was tired. He felt pain. Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, chose to feel hunger pain. But he was also 100% God. He did things that only God could rightly do. He controlled nature. He defied laws of physics. He knew people's thoughts. He forgave sin. And that, this is what makes him unrivaled to every other human that has ever walked planet Earth. Jesus, his beginning is unrivaled. But secondly, John says Jesus' words are unrivaled. John goes to careful explanation to make sure that you and I, do you notice that John, man, this dude cannot be quiet about telling us, and it feels like he's bragging of how much he's seen Jesus, right? You see it in verse one, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon. And I love this, like John, John's information from Jesus, John did not get what he knows about Jesus from TikTok. The information that John knows about Jesus, this isn't secondhand information that he sat in on a Bible study. John is saying, listen, I've seen this dude. I've heard him with my ears. I've looked upon him. Have you ever wondered why John is redundant there? He says, I've seen him and I've looked upon him. Like, John, well, what's the deal? Well, this is where our English language kind of fails us. When you look at the Greek, the word looked upon is not just, just, to, just to stare or, or to see. The Greek word looked upon means gaze. It means to study. And John is saying, listen, I've seen Jesus. I've heard Jesus and I've studied this dude. I have gazed upon the man, Jesus Christ. I've seen him, I've heard him, I've gazed, I've looked upon him. And how does John, where am I going? How does John describe Jesus? Well, it's at the end of verse one. He says, which we've seen, which we've looked upon, which we've touched with our hands. Here it is, concerning the word of life. This eyewitness testimony, John says, Jesus is the word of life. And friends, listen to me. Jesus's words are unrivaled. What do the people say about Jesus and his preaching? They say, man, nobody preaches like this guy. Because Jesus's words are unrivaled. And listen, man, I don't know about you guys, but this church was hearing all these different voices. This church in, in the first century, these churches, they were, they were hearing all these false teachers and they were hearing this voice and this voice and this voice and this voice. And they had all these voices and John comes into all this loudness and he speaks a quiet word of truth about Jesus. And listen, here's what we got to understand, man. We live in a world of voices, do we not? We live in a loud world. 
Everywhere we go, we are constantly bombarded with voices and noise. We hear voices everywhere. We hear voices on TikTok and YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and CNN and Fox and school and friends and Hulu and Netflix and Disney. And I mean, we, we hear all these competing voices. And what John is trying to get us to understand today, come on church, is that the words of Jesus are unrivaled compared to every other voice you hear. The word, the world is a loud place. The world is a loud place, maybe louder than it's ever been in the history of the world. And John says, he's trying to get this church to understand, listen, Jesus's words are unrivaled. He is the word of life. But in addition to that, number three, Jesus gives unrivaled life. His words are unrivaled, but he gives unrivaled life. Look at the end of verse two. He says, the life was manifest. And we've seen it and testified to it and proclaim to you the eternal life. Eternal life is not just something, church, that happens on the other side of eternity Jesus did not just die so that we could have a place to be with him on the other side of eternity. Look at me. Jesus died so that we could have a life on this side of eternity. Eternal life is not just something that happens after death. Eternal life is something that happens before death. And Jesus came to give unrivaled life. And I'm going to tell you, man, every time I come back home, you know, Monroe and West Monroe, that's my home. I graduated from West Washtenaw High School. I went to college at the the great University of Louisiana at Monroe. Go Warhawks, baby. Really? Come on. You, William, where y'all at? Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Here we go. I love it. I love it. I love it. I mean, I graduated seminary from New Orleans Baptist. I mean, I, dude, this is home. Louisiana is home. Let me tell you what, man, but every time I come home, kind of be honest, I get a little scared. I get scared to death of, what I'm, of what's going to happen when I run into somebody who knew me before Jesus. I get anxious thinking, what's going to happen when someone who sees me that didn't know me before Jesus got a hold of my life? And I wonder how confused they're going to be, and I wonder what they're going to think, and I, I begin to think, man, I, I'm a human being just like you. I, I wonder what they're thinking. I wonder what they're perceiving. I wonder what they're, they're typing and Facebooking, and I, I wonder why. I wonder what all that, and listen, here, here's the deal, man. If you knew me before Jesus got a hold of my life, and now you know me now, and you're like, what happened? Jesus. That's all I got, man. That's all I know. And here's what I know. Coming back home always reminds me of my previous life. And I'm here to tell you, here's my testimony. The life Jesus has for me of following him, pursuing him, it is unrivaled to the life that Jordy wanted. Summer before my senior year of high school, Jesus got a hold of my life. And I turned to him. And I'm not saying it's been perfect. I'm not saying it's been sweet. I'm not saying it's been sinless. But I'm telling you what, man, that decision to follow Jesus the summer before my senior year of life, I, would, I wouldn't trade it for anything that I was doing before that moment. Why? Because Jesus gives life, bro. Hey, sister in Christ, Jesus gives life. And that's what John is trying to get this church to understand is that Jesus gives unrivaled life. There is no, man, I would not trade my life now of following Jesus for anything compared to following Jordy doing what I wanted to do, 
Jesus gives unrivaled life. Fourthly, Jesus provides unrivaled fellowship. Jesus provides unrivaled fellowship. John teaches us that Jesus supplies fellowship. Look look, look at the end of verse three. He says, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. So, so, So John is like, listen, man, I've seen Jesus. I've heard Jesus. I proclaim Jesus. And let me tell you why I'm doing it, church. Let me tell you why, why I'm proclaiming Jesus to you so that we can be friends, so that we can have fellowship with one another. You see, we have forgotten in the church today that Jesus did not die just so that we could have our sins forgiven and have eternal life on the other side of eternity and have a good life here. Jesus, ooh, Jesus died on the cross so that you and I could enjoy life together. Man, Jesus gave us so we could enjoy life together. Man, this is the purpose of the church. And see, man, John, even thousands of years ago, the disciple John, I'm gonna, hey, can, can I meddle, North Monroe? Can I meddle just for a second? Man, John understands the difference between church attendance and church engagement. I ain't looking at anybody. See, John understands the difference between church attendance and church engagement. And, and, and that's what John is trying to get these people to understand. Man, I, I, John's like, man, I'm not just here to preach to a crowd and get a bunch of people here. I'm, I'm here to preach and proclaim the good news of Jesus so that we can do life together. I can get your back. You can get my back. And let me tell you what, man, this is something that's absolutely beautiful and amazing is the body of Christ. It is It is my greatest joy and privilege to serve the body of Christ. Man, it is is the only organization on planet Earth that celebrates we're all jacked up. I mean, that's part of what we celebrate. We got, man, we're all sinners. We just got through singing songs. Like how much of sinners we are, right? Did we not just do that? Y'all better talk to me. I'm going to be here all day. Did we not just sing about how bad, I mean, we're all a bunch of sinners and Jesus died. We, we sing and we celebrate our week. Like Christianity is like, it's the only organization on the planet Earth that says, hey man, we're all jacked up and we're all just, we just love Jesus. And yet so many people come into church and they're trying to hide that they're messed up. They're trying to hide this and hide this and hide that. Man, Jesus outed you on the cross. I'm messed up. My wife isn't here to amen that, but I am. So listen, man, like, here's my question for you. Are you attending North Monroe or are you engaging in the ministry of North Monroe? Jonathan Liebman gave one of the best succinct definitions of a church that I've heard in a long time. Here's what he wrote. He said, a church is a group of people who know they've been loved by Christ and have begun to love one another like that. That's what the church is. So Jesus supplies this, like Jesus gives this. Jesus provides unrivaled fellowship. I mean, the fellowship that I've experienced in the church is unlike any other. I mean, what, what kind of place can you go to that you leave? And by the way, I left North Monroe twice. Y'all remember that? <laughs> I left North Monroe once. Y'all asked me to come back. I left North Monroe again. Y'all asked me to come back. And then I left a third time. Y'all asked me to come today. <laughs> I mean, what kind of place invites a former staff member to keep coming back? I mean, I, I live in Oklahoma, and, and I'll go and tell you, if, if uh, OU's football coach stepped foot in the state of Oklahoma, they'd burn his car off. 
right? We do this with football. We don't do this with football coaches. We don't do this with hardly any other organization, but the church of Jesus Christ, there's a fellowship that is unrivaled compared to any. And listen, maybe you've had bad church experiences. I, listen, man, no church is perfect. Northland Road's not perfect. Marlowe First Baptist Church isn't perfect. Um, by the way, that, that, that's, that's kind of the point of church. It's a hospital for sinners, right? This is where, this is where jacked up people are supposed to be on a Sunday morning. And there's a fellowship that is so sweet. If you can just begin to engage into this church versus just attend it. That's what John's trying to get us to understand. It's unrivaled. The, the fifth thing is Jesus supplies unrivaled joy. Unrivaled joy. Now, I know Pastor Bill is, is preaching through Philippians this summer, and, and you, you guys are having the joy thing. I love this, like the big joy word. Like you guys are talking about joy. It's the summer of joy. Joy, 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 joy. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but man, I, I do think there's something for us to be reminded of as we read this text of, of again, who, who, is, who is writing these words? It's John, right? Let me tell you a little bit about John. John died a lonely, old, gray-haired man. Like I said earlier, he was the only disciple who, who did not die a martyr's death. He died a natural death. And here was just a few glimpses of John's life. Well, all of his friends died for following Jesus. All of them. He was exiled to the island of Patmos where he received Jesus' revelation. Before he was exiled on the island of Patmos, the emperor attempted to boil John in hot oil. And here's what we learn about John. Like John's writing in verse four, and we're writing these, these things so that our joy may be complete. Like John believes that joy can be made complete. And we were, we were writing the words of a guy who from worldly standards did not live a happy, joyful life, right? Boiled alive, all your friends are dead, spending pris- uh, being in prison on, the, on an island in the middle of the Mediterranean. I mean, he did not, from worldly standards, did not live a life that is worthy of honor. But John had joy. If joy was in popularity, John never could have had it. If joy was in materialistic things, John never would have found it. If joy was in physical appearance, some people believe that he was physically maimed for the rest of his life after being in boiling in hot oil. If joy was in physical appearance, then that disappeared after he was boiled alive. Joy was in the one who he had seen, experienced, and heard. And Pastor Bill said a couple of weeks ago, I, I still listen to Bill preach. He said, joy should be the normal part of the Christian experience. In fact, it is the magnitude of winsomeness that draws people to Jesus. So how do we get joy? Right? How do we get joy? Can, can, can I tell you the secret of getting joy? It's, it's a fruit of the spirit and it's not something you work for. It's not something that you, you muster up. It's something that you receive. It's something you just surrender. You say, Lord, I'm not, I, Lord, I'm not joyful. And unless you give me joy, I'm not going to be joyful. But John, John says, listen, man, your joy can be made complete. And maybe you're here today and that would be a good way for you to describe your life. Man, Jordy, my joy just isn't complete. And I'm here to tell you that it can. It can. Sixthly and finally is this, is that we see that Jesus commands us to proclaim an unrivaled message. 
Jesus commands us to proclaim an unrivaled message. Now, this is what's so cool because John gets towards the end of verse five and he says, and this, this is the message that we heard from him and now we proclaim to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness. And I don't know what you believe about Christianity. I don't know what you believe about the Bible. I don't know what situation you grew up in. I don't know what kind of church you grew up in, but here's what I want to be. Let's just clear the air. Let's be really clear. Here is the message of Christianity. We proclaim Jesus not a set of rules. Amen? I mean, Christianity is the only religion on planet earth that boasts in our weakness and someone else's strength. Every other religion says, man, I did this and I went there and I memorized this and I do this and I do that and I kept that. I stopped that. I started this. But Christianity says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's always Jesus and it will always be Jesus. We proclaim a man, not a set of rules, not a list. And praise God for that. I am not here to proclaim a message of work and rules, I'm here to proclaim Jesus. Jesus is our message. We boast in his works on the cross and his work through the empty tomb. And listen, here is what makes the message of Christianity, here's what makes this book so unrivaled is that we proclaim a man named Jesus. We proclaim him. Nobody else on planet earth boasts in someone else's performance but Christianity. It's unrivaled. We do not hope in self-discovery. We find hope in discovering Jesus. And here's what I want you guys to know, man. I feel like some of you in my part of the world, in Oklahoma, you want to know one of the number one barriers between some people surrendering their life to Jesus and, and, and just going on with their own lifestyle. You want to know what it is? It's the simplicity of the gospel. The simplicity of 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I have people at my church, well, man, like, but don't I need to go to church and don't I need to get baptized? Don't I need to be doing that? No, man, if, if you confess your sin. Well, I, I need to get my life. No, no, you're missing it. If you confess your sin... Don't let the simplicity of this message hinder you or keep you from going all in on Jesus. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Don't let the simplicity of this message keep you from following Jesus. It's simple. So Jesus is unrivaled. His words are unrivaled. His beginning was unrivaled. The message that we proclaim is unrivaled. There's unrivaled joy. There's unrivaled fellowship. And so here's the question in closing today is this. When was the last time, when was the last time you experienced Jesus? When was the last time you could say like John, man, I've seen him. I've heard him. I've experienced Jesus. His words his experience, experiencing him is, is unrivaled. There's nothing like it on planet Earth. So here's my question. When was the last time you experienced Jesus? I want to close with a story 
you know, Jessica and I and the kids, we were, we were just, we just moved. We didn't move like a different church or um, a different town per se. We, we just moved houses. We bought a new house in the town that we live now and um, same church, same everything. But, oh, and by the way, this is the word of the Lord. If you're thinking about selling your house and moving, don't do it. It's overrated. Um, but we just did it and we moved. And, and as you know, we, you saw the picture. We have a, a six-year-old and a four-year-old. And by the way, if you're a kid or a teenager or a student, y'all have way too much stuff. And that's what kids do, man. They just accumulate stuff. And so Jessica was like, Jessica and I were like, you know, before we, before we move, we need to get rid of some stuff. And I was like, amen, girl, let's do it. So we, we went outside one day and we're trying to get all this stuff out and we're moving stuff and stuff. We have like a, a garage sale pile. And then we just have like, gasoline match pile. You know what I'm talking about? And, and I'm over there going and like, I've been married to Jessica for uh, over 10 years now. So I know the difference between her just, hey babe, and her like blood curdling, get over here fast. And so I was over there and she's like, Jordy. And it was like the blood curdling, get over there fast. So I ran over there and I'm like, babe, what's wrong? She goes, I found your wedding ring. <laughs> and I said, shut up. And sure enough, there it is, boys. Boom. Got the wedding ring back. That joker was lost for almost four years. And you'll know where I found it. Here it is. Hashtag dad life in a stroller. <laughs> found it in a stroller. And, and Jessica found it in the stroller. I was like, oh my gosh. And now, now here's the cool part. Here's the cool part of the story. So remember where we lost it. We lost it somewhere between Nashville and, uh, sorry, Kentucky and Nashville. I didn't tell you this. We were living in Missouri at that time. So we drove from Missouri to Louisville, Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky to Nashville, Tennessee. We lost it somewhere there. So lost it from Louisville to Nashville, drove from Nashville back home to Joplin, Missouri. And then I'm still going. We moved from Joplin, Missouri to Southwest Oklahoma. We lived in a farmhouse there. We moved from the farmhouse to the house that we just sold and from the house that we just sold to the house we are now. This ring was with us the entire time. It never left our side. It's almost like it wanted to be found. I feel like I'm preaching Lord of the Rings. And... It was with us the entire time. It never left us. And here's the point. Some of us in this room, you think Jesus has left you. You have forgotten that he is the unrivaled one. You have not seen him in a while. You have not heard him in a while. You have not experienced him in a while. And I'm here to tell you, he is closer than you think. He is chasing you. He is pursuing you. C.S. Lewis calls him the hound from heaven and he chases you. He loves you. He cares about you. His words are unrivaled. His beginning is unrivaled. The message that we have is unrivaled. He is the unrivaled one. Paul would say it better than I can say it. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in Jesus, all things hold together. He is the unrivaled one. And he 
is worth our everything. He is worth everything. I love you, North Monroe. It, it brings my heart so much joy after being gone for almost over 10 years to see you still get after Jesus. It brings me so much joy to see some of your faces. I was worried about a few of you, but I see you come back around and you're worshiping, you're giving your life, you're serving. And I'm here to tell you, he is worthy. He is the unrivaled one. And if you have never given your life to him, I plead with you to surrender your life to Jesus today. If you have drifted from him, I plead with you to surrender your life to him today. He is closer than you think. He is chasing you. He is the unrivaled one and he is worthy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. It has been my honor and privilege today to stand here and preach the word of God to proclaim the message that I've heard from him and now I proclaim to others. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for giving us a message that is unrivaled, that is wonderful, so great, so wonderful, so good, so life-changing. God, I pray that today people all over this room and online, God, that, that they would truly see and hear and experience the unrivaled one and the only response they can make would be repent and believe. Father, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. We love you. Amen. Our hope is that this message has encouraged you to seek Christ in your own life and make him known wherever you are. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.